This is the Ministers of the New Covenant radio broadcast. We come to you in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Son of the Most High Yahweh. Tune in each week to hear teachings directly from Scripture, focused upon believing in the Father, His Son, and the holy and righteous law of our Creator. At the end of this broadcast, we will give you the web address whereby you may contact us for further scriptural information. Well, good evening. This is Brother Matthew with the Ministers of the New Covenant radio broadcast, and I am very excited to be back with you here for another week to study our Heavenly Father's Word. Tonight, I'm going to begin talking about the oneness or the one-name doctrine. The oneness or the one-name doctrine. Let me begin by saying that I believe the doctrine that states the Father and the Son should be called by the exact same name stems from another doctrine that I believe to be a tradition of man called in theology oneness. Now you have this among Pentecostals today who think that Jesus is the name of the Father and the Son. And you also have this among other people or groups that use the sacred name, but they came from a Pentecostal background, which was myself at one time. I used to believe in this oneness or one-name doctrine. The sacred name people believe the same thing as the Jesus name people. The only difference is they use the name Yahweh, or some of them just use Yah, the short form of the Father's name, for both the Father and the Son. But both teachings, the oneness teaching and the one-name doctrine, both teachings are woven together so tightly that until a person sees clearly that the Father and the Son are two totally separate beings, they will continue to carry the traditional oneness view of calling the Father and the Son one and the same name without any distinction because they really believe that they're one and the same being or one and the same person. Now, I've been told that we all must continue to study subjects like these and not become settled on just one thing and then run with it like nominal Christianity or denominationalism within Christianity. And to that, I say that the reason I believe the way that I do now is because, as difficult as it was, I let go of my denominational background and I tried the best that I could to study the scriptures on this subject with a clean slate in my mind. And that's because I only want what the Almighty teaches us through His scriptures. I do not care about my feelings, my emotions, or, to be frank, anyone else's. I'm only trying to please the Almighty and His precious only begotten Son. And that's because if we seek to please men, we are a servant of men. If we seek to please Yahweh, we are Yahweh's servant. Now I've learned in studying this and in sharing this with people that still have this oneness view or this one name view, whether with the name Jesus or with the name Yah or Yahweh, I've learned that tradition Traditions of men do not die easily. Sometimes tradition is ingrained in people's minds from childhood and sometimes from an experience a person has had in the past. And people generally rely more on tradition or what they have heard rather than the word of the Almighty. Oftentimes tradition will blind us 
from being able to see the true meaning of a text when another person who has not been traditionalized is able to see it clearly. I can vouch for this. There's been scriptures that I now see the original meaning of that before I was so blinded by my background and traditions of men, I couldn't see what's very simple for me to see now, right from the text of sacred scripture. And it, this is because we read such a scripture with blinders on. And we've got to learn to take them off. And it's hard. But we've got to learn to take the blinders off and pray and seek the Father for the original meaning of the text. Now, I know that I am by no means immune to such tradition and false understandings. And so I often pray and I ask for the pure meaning of Scripture to be what I believe because I'm just a frail man. I've been wrong on things in the past, and I've had to change, and I know that this will happen to me in my future walk as well. I hope that it does. I hope I'm not so stubborn and rebellious-hearted that I think I've got all the truth right now. I know that I do not. So I look forward to being revealed ancient truths as I study the Scriptures more and more each and every day. And we all need to try to be humble and listen to and read what others have to say. So, as I delve into this topic now, currently, right now, on this issue, I believe that the Father's name is Yahweh. I don't say that in such a way as to dismiss various pronunciations of that name. In Hebrew, it's the yod Hey wal Hey, and it's pronounced different ways. Some people pronounce it Yahweh. Um, I've heard Yahweh, Yahuwah, uh, Yehoah. I've heard of these various pronunciations, and I do not make a fellowship issue over different ways of pronouncing the sacred name because I believe that all of them are making an honest attempt to call upon the yod Hey wal Hey, as is written in Hebrew Scripture. So I believe the Father's name is Yahweh, and I believe that the Son's name is Yeshua. Yeshua. Spelt in English, Y-E-S-H-U-A. Now, the only reason that I believe this is because I have studied the Scriptures. I have nothing to gain personally among men for believing this. I just want to know the truth, and this is the conclusion that my search for the truth has led me to. Now, I do believe that Yahweh is a family name, and in this way, the Son carries with him the name of the Father, as does the entire family on heaven and earth. But the name that the Son was called when he walked the earth was Yeshua. I believe this is the Son's personal proper name that we should still call him today. Now, why do I believe this? Why do you believe this, Brother Matthew? Well, my main reason for believing that Yahweh is the Father's name and Yeshua is the Son's name is based upon the textual evidence that we have available to us. Let me start with the name of the Father. The Hebrew text of the Old Testament Scripture, along with the Dead Sea Scrolls of texts like Isaiah and Jeremiah, give four letters for the Father's name. And I believe those four letters, if you have a Strong's Concordance, are number 3068 in the Hebrew Chaldee section of Strong's. 
And if you look up number 3068, you'll see four Hebrew letters read from right to left. And those letters are Yod, Hey, Wah, Hey. Now, transliterated letter for letter into English, these letters are Y, H, W, H. And people who recognize this pronounce these letters in various ways, as I said, but that's not the purpose of these studies. My point here is that based upon the textual evidence, I have no choice but to believe that YHWH, and I pronounce these letters as Yahweh, but I have no choice to believe that those letters form the name of the Heavenly Father. And this name is to be used, it is to be praised, and it is to be called upon by all true worshipers. Someone may come along and tell me the Father's name is not YHWH. And believe it or not, I have actually had people do just that. One man told me that someone stuck that name inside of a gap in the Dead Sea Scroll text of Isaiah. But you know what? Claims like that are frivolous without manuscript substantiation. You can tell me that the name Yahweh, yod heh was a later interpolation, but based on the textual evidence that we have, the Father's name is yod heh And people can say that, well, we don't have any original Old Testament manuscripts, so we don't really know for sure what the Father's name is. Well, when we use that kind of argumentation, the logical conclusion is that we should just throw away the whole Old Testament. Now, of course, that's absurd in my mind because we should go by the available evidence that we have. And all of the available evidence points us to yod heh Yahweh, for the Father's name. Now, I realize that the Old Testament English Bibles we have call the Father Lord, God, and Jehovah. But what I've done in my research, and what anyone should do, is look at the underlying Hebrew manuscripts behind the Old Testament English text, because anyone that's done any amount of studying on the Old Testament scriptures should know that they were originally written in the Hebrew language. So you can do this by looking up Lord God and Jehovah in Strong's Concordance. And you will be led to Strong's Numbers 3050, 3068, and 3069, depending upon which verse that you're reading. And the simple research here will lead you to four Hebrew letters, Yod, Hey, Wal, Hey. In English, Y-H-W-H, or Yahweh. Every time you see the word Lord and God in all capital letters in the Old Testament, and every time you see the name Jehovah, if you're reading a King James Bible or an American Standard Version, the Hebrew letters are yod hey wah hey y h w h Yahweh. Now I move on to the name of the Son. And I do the same thing for the name of the Son that I did for the name of the Father. All of the available textual evidence that we have for the Messiah's name points us in the direction of calling him either Yeshua or Yehoshua. And I think that it's a toss-up on whether he was called Yeshua or Yehoshua. I believe that the evidence is more weighty for the short form of Yeshua, but I'll get to that here in just a second. 
This name in Hebrew is spelled, the short form, Yod, Shin, Wa, Ayin. This is true whether you're studying the Greek New Testament, not the letters, but the name Yeshua. It's true whether you're studying the Greek New Testament, the Aramaic Peshitta, or the various Hebrew versions of the Gospel of Matthew with the Hebrew versions of other New Testament books. Now, I do realize that the New Testament Bibles that are written in English today call our Messiah, the Son, Jesus. But we can't surface skate here. We must do the same thing we did for the Father's name. We dig into the text. And the first thing we must recognize is that the Messiah is not an American who spoke English, nor is he a Roman who spoke Greek. He was instead an Israelite from the tribe of Yehuda, or Judah, according to Hebrews 7.14. And he spoke either Hebrew, Aramaic, or possibly both. Now, without going into too much detail here, we can be assured that he was given a Hebrew-slash-Aramaic name because of his culture and because of his family. Now, when we look up the name Jesus in a text like Matthew 1.21, a very popular text about the name of the Son, we find that it is taken from Strong's number 2424, Jesus. And if you look up that name, Jesus, it is of Hebrew origin, and it refers us back to Hebrew number 3091. Then it says, Jesus, i.e., Jehoshua, the name of our Lord, and two or three other Israelites. See Hebrew 30.91. Now I want you to notice again, the first thing Strong's tells us is that this name is of Hebrew origin. It points us to number 30.91 in Strong's Hebrew Dictionary. And when we look up this number, we're taken to the Hebrew name Yehoshua, from which the Greek name Jesus is derived. And let me just say right here, it is not pronounced Iezus. It is pronounced correctly in Greek, Jesus, and that is not a pagan name. That is a name that was used in the Septuagint approximately 250 years before the first coming of the Messiah. But when we look up 3091 in the Hebrew Dictionary of Strong's, we see the name Yehoshua, and it's taken from 3068 and 3467, and Strong's defines it as Jehovah saved, which we now know is actually Yahweh saved. The name Yehoshua means, literally, Yahweh is salvation. Now, we dig a little bit deeper here. Follow along with me. You may have to get your Bible out. We find in the Old Testament that this name Yehoshua was the name of Moses' successor. We commonly call him Joshua. Now, in Numbers 13, 16, you'll find this name. And Prophet Moses renamed a man named Hosea. Numbers 13, 16, King James Version says this. These are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land, and Moses called Hosea, the son of Nun, Jehoshua. Now, in Hebrew, Hosea, or as we commonly say, Hosea, <laughs> is spelled He-Wa-Shin-Ayin. Transliterated into English, 
H-W-S-A. Hosea. And that name means deliverer. It's number 1954 in Strong's Hebrew Dictionary. But what Moses did is simply place one letter at the beginning of Hosea's name. He put in a Yod or a Y. And this made the name Yehoshua. Spelled in Hebrew, no longer Hewashin Ayan, but Yod Hewashin Ayan. Transliterated Y-H-W-S-A. Now turn over to Nehemiah 8.17. And in this text, we're going to read about the same exact man whose name is at the end of Numbers 13.16, but this time he's given a slightly different name. In reality, it is just a contraction of the name Yehoshua. Nehemiah 8.17, King James Version says, And all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booths and sat under the booths. For since the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, unto that day had not the children of Israel done so, and there was very great gladness. Now in this text we find that the son of Nun, remember back to Numbers chapter 13, verse 16, where the son of Nun's mentioned as well. In Numbers 13:16 he's called Yehoshua, but in Nehemiah 8:17 he's called Yeshua, which is number 34:42 in Strong's Hebrew Dictionary, spelled Yodshin Wa'ayan. Means he will save. Strong's tells us when we look that up that this name stems from 30:91, which makes sense. Numbers 13:16 uses the name Yehoshua, which is 30:91. But in Nehemiah 8:17 we see the contracted form of the name Yehoshua. Now, I usually explain this to people. If I witness to people, if I get this far in witnessing to people over a period of many times, I'll explain it to them by using my name, Matthew. The name my mother gave me is Matthew. But there does exist in our English language a contracted form of the name Matthew, and that's the name Matt. I remember when I was in high school years ago that all of my friends in high school on the basketball team called me Matt, Matt Jansen. And then it was kind of cool, so I thought when I was the ages 14 through 16. But as I grow up, I like the name Matthew because that's the name my mother gave me, is Matthew. But nevertheless, there's the long form Matthew and the contracted form Matt. Think about it in that way. It helps you to understand. The long form, Numbers 13, 16, is Yehoshua. The contracted form, Nehemiah 8.17, is Yeshua. Same man, same person, long form of the name, contracted form of the name. Each time that we read Jesus in the New Testament, it goes back to this Hebrew name. We took the name Jesus to Strong's Greek Concordance, which was 24.24, Jesus. That referred us to 30.91, Yehoshua which in turn we see there is a contracted form, 3442, Yeshua. And I understand this might be a little bit hard or tough to follow, especially if this is your first time ever looking at this, but you can always go on our website and listen to this radio broadcast over again, or you can contact me with the information at the end of the broadcast, and I'll be glad to send you a CD of this broadcast.
Now, someone might tell me this name is an interpolation into the New Testament, Matthew, just like some people do for the Father's name in the Old Testament. But there's no reason to trust the arm of flesh or rely on a human being's attempt, feelings, or emotions to infuse his or her ideas upon what the text really should say. See, the text calls the son Yeshua or Yehoshua, not Yahweh. And we're called to believe what is written, not what we want the text to say based upon a tradition of men that we inherited from people who believed wrongly. Now, let me explain to you why I believe that the Messiah was given the short or the contracted form of this name. I'm not against somebody that uses Yehoshua. I'm not against somebody that wants to say Yahshua. I don't believe that Yahshua is nearly as correct as Yehoshua, but I'm not against that, and I wouldn't disfellowship or make a big deal about that. As a matter of fact, there's brethren in our congregation locally here that use the name Yahshua, and there's brethren that even use the name Yahweh for the Son, and I don't throw them out or disfellowship them for it. I believe that they're in error, but I still love them, and I understand that we're all trying to grow in grace and in knowledge. But I want to explain to you why I believe that the short contracted form was given to the Son. Even when you study the Greek translation of the Tanakh, which is the Septuagint, which, at least for the Torah portion, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, which, by the way, all of those names are Greek. Those are not the Hebrew names for the Torah. The Hebrew names are uh, Bereshit, Shemot, um, Bayikra, Bamidvar, and Devarim. I had to think there for a second. <laughs> but the Greek names that we all learned if we grew up in children's church is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. All of those names are taken from the Greek Septuagint because in about 250 B.C., the Hebrew Old Testament began to be translated into the Greek language for Greek-speaking Judahites that predominantly lived in Alexandria, Egypt. And their lingua franca, their common language, was Greek and not Hebrew. So there's nothing diabolical or wrong with the Greek Septuagint. As a matter of fact, if you study the New Testament, you'll find that when the New Testament authors quote from the Old Testament, the majority of the time they're quoting from the Greek Septuagint. So in this Septuagint, we find, when we look at the Septuagint, back in 250 B.C., before Christ, before the Common Era, we see that both names, Yehoshua and Yeshua, are transliterated into Greek as Jesus. So either Hebrew name is acceptable. However, based upon Matthew 121, the angel of Yahweh not only relays the name of the Messiah to Joseph, but he also defines the name of the Messiah for us. He gives us the definition of the name. This is a very common practice in the Hebrew Scriptures. Let me briefly show you this. In Genesis 17, verse 5, we find that Yahweh renames a man whose name is Abram. And the name Abram means high father. Well, in Genesis 17, 5, Yahweh tells Abram, your name will no longer be Abram, but your name will be Abraham, for I will make you the father of many nations. 
See, the longer name Abraham literally means or is defined as father of many. So Yahweh gave this man a new name based upon a work that he would do through this man. And this definition fits the, the name perfectly. And this is how the word for is used in Genesis 17.5. Once again, Yahweh says your name will no longer be Abram, which means father or high father, but your name will be Abraham for or because, this is why, I will make you a father of many nations. Makes perfect sense. Well, the exact same method is used in Matthew 121 where the angel of Yahweh tells Joseph in a dream, you are to name him Yeshua for or because, or this is why, he will save his people from their sins. Now, what do we learn that the name Yeshua means? It means, as it's 3442 in Strong's Hebrew Dictionary, it means he will save. This is the main reason. Matthew 121 is the main reason that I believe that the Messiah was given the contracted form of that Hebrew name. It's because it is defined for us in Matthew 121, so there's no way for us to go wrong. The Hebrew name given to the Son means he will save according to the angel Gabriel who wasn't sent on his own authority but was sent by the authority of Yahweh and so therefore we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Messiah's name means he will save and when we look at the Hebrew language we find that the name in Hebrew that means he will save is Yeshua and as I said the angel did not make this up the angel got it from Yahweh he was commissioned by Yahweh, and to argue with this angel is to argue with Almighty Yahweh. Yahweh had a work for his Messiah, his son, to do, and that work was this, salvation. He will save his people, Israel, from their sins. So the father thus named his son Yeshua because within that name is the meaning he will save. Now this is fairly easy to recognize in the English text of Scripture. But it's a lot easier when you're reading a Hebrew gospel of Matthew. And you can't see the pictures here, but once again, if you contact me with the information at the end of the broadcast, I'll be glad to send you some photocopies where you can look at the Hebrew gospel of Matthew, um, not only the one produced by Professor George Howard from the University of Georgia, but also the Dalich Hebrew Matthew, which is translated into English by Vine of David Publishing Ministries. But you can look and you'll see that it's even more potent when you read it in Hebrew. Yeshua and he will save. There's a direct, what's called a Hebrew word pun, a play on words with the name Yeshua and the meaning of salvation. Now, as I close, let me show you what man tries to do. Because all of this is actually quite simple once you do the research and you've submitted to what the scriptures say rather than what you want or your own feelings or your own emotions. As I've said before, men can come along and argue with the text of scripture if they want to, but the scripture remains the truth. A man can tell me the Father's name is not Yahweh. A man can tell me the Hebrew text and the Dead Sea Scrolls have been tampered with. We don't have the originals. 
But you know what? All this is just a figment of his imagination because he doesn't have any textual evidence to say the Father's name is not Yahweh. And the same goes for the New Testament. Someone can say the Messiah's given name in Matthew 121 really isn't Yeshua, and it really should say something else. And they can claim that a different name belonged there, but there's no textual evidence to back up such a claim. And on top of that, we have the definition of the Messiah's name given within the text itself, Matthew 121. And this further verifies what name belongs there. Now, what some people in the sacred name movement have done is they have taken their own interpretation of certain scriptures and they have forced their interpretation upon the text so strongly so as to deny what the text actually says about the name of the Father and the Son. And so what I want to do beginning next week is to go through all of these texts in no particular order, but go through all of the texts and I want to show you the contextual, linguistic, proper meaning of each of them to the best of my ability. And as I said at the outset, unless a person has fully removed himself out of the false oneness doctrine that believes the Son is really somehow the Father wrapped in a robe of flesh, unless a person has fully removed himself or herself from that doctrine, they will continue to be blinded and only be able to read certain scriptures in the traditional way that they have been taught to read them. You've been listening to the Ministers of the New Covenant radio broadcast. Our website is ministersnewcovenant.org. That's ministersnewcovenant.org. Please visit our website where you will find hundreds of audio sermons as well as videos, books, and articles explaining various doctrines in the scriptural faith. For questions, you can also call 678-347-6240. That's 678-347-6240. Thanks for listening, and according to His will, may Yahweh richly bless.